Hello and welcome to Additive Insight Podcast by the TCT team. I'm Head of Content Daniel O'Connor and I'm joined by... Sam Davis, Assistant Editor. We're on the show floor here at the 5th TCT Asia in Shanghai and we thought we'd come together to talk about some of the things we've seen on so far. It is the final day today. A theme that you and I have previously spotted at TCT Asia is that with this, this huge focus on the metal machinery, uh, Graham Tromans will tell you that's because in China they're more focused on manufacturing. But what I've spotted here, and I'm sure you'll agree, is there seems to be uh, plenty of new developments in polymer 3D printing. Do you want us to talk about any of the companies that you've seen in that regard, Sam? Yeah, so I spent pretty much all of the first day uh, with these two companies. Um, the first uh, was Polymaker, who um, loads and loads of um, polymer materials, uh, an industrial portfolio of two, and um, on their stand they had a 3D printed desk um, made out of ASA material, which was produced by the same company who has manufactured a bridge in the ASA material, which is um, about a 45 minute taxi ride from uh, this hall. We were going to try and make uh might try and make yeah. you go out to it, weren't we, Sam? But, uh, we were, but it turned out to be too far away. Yeah, it would have taken up my whole day. And am I right in saying that they told you that the uh, park was not open to the public? Uh, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. I believe that's right. Uh, or until very recently, it wasn't open until the, open to the public. Um, anyway, the, the material used there, um, ASA materials, got 12.5% um, reinforced glass fiber. Um, and the desk is made up of two pieces that are bolted together on the inside um, and the layers are put down at um, kind of 10 millimeters thick um, and it takes about 10-11 hours to print um, both parts, um, weighs about 120 kilos so the printer is depositing material at around 10 kilos an hour um, and subsequent to that desk which uh, I don't think I'll be bringing more than 20 of a show because it weighs too much. Um, the Shanghai Construction Group who make the bridge um, will be planning another bridge this year. Um, also on the stand there were some um, airplane cabin parts that we both saw um, installed by China Eastern and they had a vent um, and a kind of plastic foothold that the um, customer service team used to place bags in the hold and things like that. Um, and they're, they're kind of temporary spare parts, so um, Luke, the marketing manager, was explaining that if any of these parts break in flight, they have to land the plane um, for safety reasons, and the idea is that there'll be a printer at the airport, they'll uh, make the part and then just um, use the same plane to, to finish the flight, um, and then once they get to the other end, then they can sort out the actual repair of it. Um, and then they, they had a car on their stand, different to the one they had at Formnex, um, which was a, um, if I remember rightly, a project, a student project, um, whereby teams from around the world compete to travel, I think it was 100 kilometers on one liter of fuel. So all of the parts have to be lightweight, obviously, and that's where 3D printing and where polymaking come in. Um, and then they also, um, announced a partnership with Voltamaker. Laura's put the story up on the, the website. Um, so it's uh, their polymide PA6CF material, polymide copper, and polymide and polycast. Sorry. Um, so there are three new material profiles on the Cura platform. 
from um, Ascentium, another company that announced um, their Ultrafuse Z PTG. Um, that's available now on the Automaker, and they're saying that that offers a, like advanced electrical conductivity. They, um, they think it's a good option for tooling, chipping fixtures, assembly aids, um, and and they mentioned that the, the contract manufacturing industry was obviously huge in this country. Um, that material has a big play there. And then the other, the final announcement on the Ultimate Materials um, was Eson. And unfortunately, that was all done in Chinese. So <laughs> I can give you the materials, but I don't know much more than that. I think it's PLA, ABS, EPA, CF, and HIPS. Um, and then another announcement from Ultimaker is uh, the Cura Cloud platform, um, which allows users to store settings and all that, access them via any computer, get access to um, some of the material profiles from all the other material companies Ultimaker's partnered with now, um, monitor print jobs um, outside of their network, and share designs, opinions, experiences, all that kind of thing. I just want to go back to uh, Polymaker. Yeah. Obviously, we were on the stand yesterday. I thought that bridge manufacturing of, um, not the bridge, but the bridge manufacturing of the airplane parts is really interesting because uh, that's something that we've heard talked about in somewhere like the oil and gas industry where yeah. you'll make spare parts that just last until for six weeks while the lead time of the, the new part comes. But I've never thought about it, the airplane. Mm. And some of the parts they were showing us was like a vent. Yeah. Uh, uh, Luke told us that the vent gets like kicked off quite often. Yeah. Um, which you know, I don't know who goes around kicking vents, no, but uh, they need to stop it. But it's interesting now to see. I think Polymaker were a company like Ultimaker. Polymaker and Ultimaker are quite uh, there's quite synergies between them because mm. both of them started out as this like consumer uh, yeah. 3D printing company. Polymaker were showcasing a lot of toys and things like that, but now both of them are all real manufacturing yeah. companies. I thought that um, some of the parts on Polymaker stand are really interesting. And what what I like about them as a company is that they they kind of like, they want to, they think of every application, if you know what I mean. I really like the polycast material, mm-hmm. which uh, I noticed yesterday was announced that um, it's now got a specific profile set up on Lulzbot machines. So a foundry can take polycast, print with it on a Lulzbot machine and then cast the materials, they know full well what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be in China like a real thirst for, as Graham Troman says, like for manufacturing. And that's what I'm interested in. There's hardly any toy printers here. Yeah, They're all yeah, big they're... plastic machines or interesting plastic machines that are doing prototyping or, or some end use production. Yeah. Um, or alternatively, they are uh, big metal machines, obviously, that we've still got those in metal machines. Uh, and a company who've got both yes. is uh, Farsoon. Uh, I was on the Farsoon stand on the first day and I had no idea what to expect because I knew they were announcing something, but I didn't know what it was going to be. And what they did announce was their flight technology, um, which uses fiber lasers as opposed to CO2 lasers for plastic laser sintering. Uh, and the speeds are up to four times as four times the speed of their next fastest printer right. and the parts look really impressive the wall thicknesses are, are thinner because of the increased scanning and um, the spot size on it's better uh, i was really impressed by their parts and they've got this like giant tube on their stand which 
it's filled with all these little uh, parts. I don't know what the part is actually. No. I think it's some kind of clip. Yeah. Uh, and it shows you there's markers to show you their previous technology, where it got up to, and then in comparison to the same build size, the same build time, the flight technology, and it's huge. I was fortunate enough so well to sit down with Dr. Jujarshu, and he's a man who's been involved in laser sintering for 25, 30 years now. Uh, he was in it at the start, and he he thinks that this is a real step change for laser sintering. Uh, one of the points that was made was that we've seen high-speed sintering with voxel jet, and we've seen it with HP, uh, but the drawbacks of that can be things like um, the consumables or printheads not having to mess with them. So if I was um, a service bureau who were traditionally using laser sintering, that might be a bit of a step change for me to go to something else. Mm. But this was pretty much high-speed sintering speed as a laser sintering, as you know it. The yeah. same processes, the same cool-down times. Um, the material that they're using at the moment is uh, black, and it just absorbs the light better. Uh, Derek Simon told me that that's not to do with the colour as much, it's to do with the chemical, and the chemical is in that colour moment and they're hoping to develop different colors but was really impressed by that and at the moment they're just looking for beta testers with it and things but it all comes into play with their other systems their cam systems so the continuous additive manufacturing systems so they it, it could potentially be fully automated so we could have a lot quicker 3d prints uh, fully automated it, it steps into this uh, the same thing as we keep touch on in here is that China is geared up for manufacturing yeah who else have you seen today, Sam? Or this week, sorry. Um, so I, I've mainly just been kind of going around um, and popping up the stands. Um, I saw Kodak briefly, um, so that machine exists. Um, and they had they do all the materials themselves. They had quite a few materials actually. There was nylon, so PLA, P, P, ETGs, um, flexible materials as well. Um, and then the, the applications were kind of prototypes, small architecture models, jigs and fixtures, um, and they'll be, I think they'll be at Rapid Next um, in May, essentially TCT in the UK. Um, and then there's a standby ours, um, HB3D, um, not by ours, sorry, it was by far soon, um, and they they just launched a, a new SLM machine. Um, they have a single laser and a dual laser, 500 watts, um, Build volume is 280 by 280 and 400Z, um, and on there stand the mainly you know, big aerospace applications. Um, but then on the other side of the stand, they had um, HPD 100, um, so 100 by 100 by 100, and that's basically for uh, dental applications. And uh, I think they had loads of materials for that as well titanium, um, iron, tall steel. Um, I also the Big Rep Pro that was printed. I didn't get to see that at full next, um, but that was um, printing parts. Uh, and yeah, and then I, I walked past uh, TPM earlier, who I wasn't aware of, uh, SLS company. Um, and yeah, their parts look pretty good. TPM have an interesting history. Um, they were here two years ago, I think, and it was labelled as Stratus TPM. Uh, and I think that it's related to Stratus Direct Manufacturing. They use that TPM uh, machine, yeah. which was developed here in China. I think the Chinese company, potentially maybe Japanese. Anyway, I can't remember. You'll have to go and research that on tctmagazine.com. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned dental there yeah. earlier. Uh, I was really interested to find out that the Chinese market accounts for 
70% of all digital dentistry in the world. Mm. Uh, it's a huge marketing. Yeah. Pretty much every kind of uh, SLA machine you go past, they've got some dent models on. Yeah. Uh, I actually stopped by a stand called Hey Gears, uh, the one of the biggest stands here at TCT. And their machines look really impressive. Uh, their ultra craft machines are printing parts on the show floor. And I didn't know a lot about them as a company. Uh, so I approached and spoke to their VP and co-founder. Uh, and he was telling me that the company has got a really interesting backstory. And the backstory is that uh, they were one of the first companies in the world to be 3D printing and uh, these true wireless in earphones. And they were selling like 10,000s at a time of them in about 2015. And then when Apple Air AirPods came along, it absolutely decimated their business in a way because Apple are Apple yeah. and you don't, you, it's difficult to compete with them. <laughs> so what they've been doing uh, to create the 3D printed earphones is using an in-house process that they developed themselves, an in-house DLP process. And so they've like had a complete rethink of what their business was going to be. It's not going to be these earphones. Uh, and they decided to target the digital dentistry market. Uh, they've got over 150 machines installed in China, in dental labs in China. Uh, it's important for them to sell the dental lab, the complete process. He felt like there's other companies out there who sell dental machines to dental labs. Uh, and sometimes they're just for show. Uh, they don't get to use them as much. Uh, they're not geared up enough to use them. So what Hey Gears have done is they've, give, they've gone into them and they've said, here's the scanner. Uh, they're using a three shaper scanner. Uh, this is the process. Here's the machine, here's the materials, here's the curing. Uh, and they lease that all to them as one. Uh, and it just, it, it's basically simple to use. The touchscreen on it, it looks like a, the inside of it. I was sat in a Tesla last night in the shopping mall and it looks like the inside of a Tesla. The machines are really nice looking machines. And they've had, because they've had such success with the dental market, they've launched two new machines here. TCT Asia uh, and the two new machines are aimed predominantly at the dental market still uh, they have a desktop version of the machine which is aimed at dental clinics um, which has a really nice 3D render it's screen on there uh, the comment was that uh, dentists aren't, dent aren't engineers yeah. they just want to be able to touch screen and see what they're doing see what they're printing uh, and then they've got this huge bigger machine and that is being used for 3D printing in like really nice like end juice parts. Mm. One of the things they have in there is from a Chinese department store. Um, and they're these like beautifully bespoke pens that each uh, a different animal that signify the year of the pig, which it is this year, yeah. uh, the year of the rat, the year of the horse. And they're just, they're, they're really nice to see. Uh, we've actually done a video of them that will be going out on, on our social media channels. Um, this company, to be honest, I really didn't know much about them. Mm. They've kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, I know that I'm, their, um, their co-founder was telling me that at this moment in time, they're at a digital dentistry show in Chicago. Uh, next week, they're in one in Germany. So they're not they're not messing around. Yeah. They're a big company. Who else? Have you, seen, have you seen anything else that's really caught your eye, Sam? Uh, just on Hey Gears, um, I think it's interesting to know how quickly they've kind of developed because the 
um, the Apple earphones, the wireless ones, only been around for two years, yeah. maybe, and they've already kind of, you know, come this far, and I think that's, you know, companies like Ultimaker and Polymaker who've gone from, you know, consumer to industrial, to short space of time, I think there's a lot of that around in on the show floor and just the country in general. I think here, uh, I don't remember the exact figures, but Hege told me that they they had a huge research and development team. A lot of them were engineers who were in American-based universities, and they actually like quit their studies because of this earphone thing. They thought this was really going to take off. Uh, and I think in China, research and development teams are huge. Um, I think Farsoon told us actually yesterday that uh, of the 300 staff they have, 100 of them, so a third, is in research and development. So my feeling here... My feeling when I came away from um, TCT Japan, the first TCT Japan, was that, you know, yes, there is some way to go for the Japanese market, but they can catch up and they will catch up quickly. Yeah. But then when you come here, you see there's no messing about in China. They're just doing everything. Uh, everything's being done. Everything's being done quickly. Uh, there are prints the size of uh, the house in here. Yeah. Uh, there are metal printers running on the show floor. I think they're just the Chinese market proves that they can just go do it. Yeah, uh, I think I wrote an article about you know there was this um, there's these two schools schools of thought where one is that we need to qualify and we need to standardize all of the things that all of the processes in order to 3D print to take off, and the other school of thought is that well yeah. we never used to do that in the Victorian times we just went ahead and do things. Yeah. China's certainly a market where they just go ahead and do things. Yeah. And you were saying to me I think yesterday that first time we came here to do a show in Shanghai, it was all desktop machines and now it's the the booths are huge we're across two halls so and it, one of the companies that we both saw last year that we're we're seeing quite a lot of because our stands directly opposite them is Dedibot yeah. Dedibot have gone from again they, I think three years ago they just had desktop machines uh, now they've got about four or five metal machines on their stand no drone um, this year. No drone. Well, there is a drone there. It's just not running. Okay. Uh, and they're, they're partners with the likes of uh, Adran and Materialize. They're, they're really, as well. yeah, practice. They're really taking off. They're really. They're, I think they are a company to watch. I think it was, there was a comment yesterday made by um, Stefan Ritt, formerly of SLM Solutions, and now of Three Your Mind. Mm. And he was telling me that if you go to a stand like Bright Laser Technology. They developed four machines in the space of a year. That's four metal machines in the space of a year. That's some going. Yeah. And I think Dr. Zhu, Zhu from Farsoon actually said that he does think that at some stage there'll be some consolidation in the market. I think consolidation will only happen when the te technology is really mature and the applications are really mature and everybody knows what they're doing and everybody uses the, the right tools for the right job. Yeah, I think there is a point though that a lot of these companies don't need to go anywhere. The Chinese market is big enough for them to operate and function on their own. Whereas, you know, I know the likes you know, there's loads of Western companies here as well. And they're having to come across the world to access this market, whereas these guys don't really need to go anywhere. Well, that's the, the point Hey Gears we're making that, as I said, that 70% of the digital dentistry is here in China. Yeah. So 70% of the world, if you can, if you're based here and you've got 70% of the world's market, you're, you'll do all right. Yeah. I think you're right, actually, 
there are companies here that we see here every year. Hans Laser have got two booths here. They've got a booth showing their polymer seals and a booth showing their metals, but I don't think we'd ever see them in a, in a UK show or a European show. The Chinese market is uh, very much here to stay. Anything else? Uh, a couple of other companies I've seen briefly. Um, one was Alchem, um, who are a silicone materials company based in China. Um, gave me a sample part, which we both agree feels very nice. Um, and it's got on their stand that they're a Blue Star company, and through the um, employees' broken English, I think they were trying to explain to me that that means that they're getting a lot of investment from other Chinese companies. Um, and then the other was a tip-off from Kevin Ayers of Danfoss and Amog, um, and they're called AFS Beijing, um, and their sand printer, um, they've got a very similar looking casting application to one that's on Voxajet, and he was saying that their, their sand printer is about a third of the cost of you know, X1 and Voxajet, he said they want to keep an eye on so I'll, I'll try and go over and talk to them a bit later. Well, we both sat down with Kevin Ayers actually and had a coffee with him the other day, didn't we? And he was we talking did. to us about sand printing and he was saying that, you know, it's now for foundries because you can add all these channels in that uh, take all the chemicals out of the metals. It's actually the best way of yeah. casting now. And he feels like sand printing is still the way to go for mm. big, large metal parts. Yeah, I think you mentioned Ford and another automotive company saying that you know, they're going to be all over well I think that about wraps things up for uh, our time here in uh, China we fly home at 7am in the morning there are two of our team who are dying to watch the rugby this evening but uh, Sam yeah. and I are not so convinced <laughs> um, thanks everybody for listening and uh, we'll be back soon with a, a podcast live from Amog Sam are you going to do one of those that is Laura's call <laughs> yeah I imagine we will do thanks very much cheers see ya